All right. I thought you needed to smile today. And uh, in keeping with Pastor Craig's message last week about forgiveness, then I thought you needed to hear from the Wilsons. Unfortunately, you didn't see part of that video, and that's my fault. I'm trying to do a lot of things today. Um, but uh, today is, what? what is today? Valentine's. Valentine's Day. And you intrepid souls are in church, and hopefully you all are being good to your loves there at home. And uh, I just wanted to read a little bit of information about Valentine's Day. And uh, so uh, Dr. Jim Denson in his Denson Forum wrote a little article about this. And so just so you'll know what the origin of Valentine's Day might be, because I don't know if you know what the origin of Valentine's Day is. So here it is. Some accounts report that St. Valentine, that this is a real person. St. Valentine was a person. And by the way, people might not know this, probably virtually nobody knows this, but one of my grandfather's name uh, was Edwin Valentine Hall. So it actually used to be a, a name that people would use. Some accounts report that St. Valentine was a Roman priest and physician who was martyred by the Emperor Claudius Gothicus around AD 270. He was buried on the Via Flaminia where Pope Julius I reportedly built a basilica over his grave. Other sources identify him as the Bishop of Terni, Italy. He was martyred apparently in Rome. His relics were later taken to Terni. These could be different versions of the same account, thus referring to only one person. So why Valentine's Day? Well, here we go. According to legend, he healed his jailer's blind daughter, then left her a note on the day of his execution signed, from your Valentine. That doesn't sound like the ooey goopy stuff that we hear today from your Valentine, right? In a lot of respects, we have these Christian saints and holidays are named after them, uh, you know, uh, and then we just take it over and turn it into something pagan, right? Um, in AD 496, Pope Galatius marked February 14th to celebrate St. Valentine's life and faith. He is venerated today as the patron saint of, are you ready? What would he be the patron saint of in the Catholic Church? You would think love, right? No. Beekeepers. Epilepsy. How can you have a patron saint of epilepsy? But apparently there is a patron saint of epilepsy. And of course, of engaged couples and happy marriages. So there we have that. We may have the English poet Geoffrey Chaucer to thank for the holiday that bears his name. There is no record of romantic celebration on Valentine's Day prior to a poem Chaucer wrote around 1375 titled Parliament of Fools. He links a tradition of courtly love with the celebration of St. Valentine's feast day, though this tradition did not exist until Chaucer's poem received widespread attention. This tradition eventually made its way to the new world. Factory made cards, a product of the industrial revolution became popular in the 19th century. In 1913, Hallmark cards of Kansas City, Missouri began mass producing Valentine's and the rest as they say is history. Isn't it interesting how these holidays evolve? And they're not all really holidays, are they? It kind of reminds me of St. Patrick's Day, right? We don't even know what that is. It's something about Irish and drinking or something. But, you know, a lot of these days began as religious days, as feast days. The church used to be largely in charge of Western society and culture. And there are many, many feast days dedicated to many different saints. In fact, there were so many different saints that November 1st was dubbed All Saints Day. 
That's where you get Halloween. All Hallows' Eve was the night before All Saints' Day. But All Saints' Day was the day where they kind of included all the other saints and bundled them together and said, oh, we'll just celebrate all the ones that we didn't already celebrate. But if you have one of these liturgical calendars um, or a lectionary, which uh, gives you readings for each day of the year, I read out of a number of, in fact, I've upped my my count to five different lectionaries now that I read out of, and I just read the scripture out of them, but it's just really interesting. So I've got two Byzantine lectionaries, um, and uh, that is the Eastern Orthodox Church. I've got a Catholic lectionary, of course, that's the Roman Catholic Church. Um, I have the Revised Standard Lectionary, which is churches like uh, the Lutheran Church. And then I've told you guys before that I read out of the uh, Episcopal, Book of Common Prayer, which has a lectionary. Now, again, I'm not reading all of their services, but I'm reading the scripture that they have. And I just find it really, really interesting and very instructive. And it also kind of keeps me up on what's going on in the church calendar because we don't really follow the church calendar anymore. Well, so today is Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day for us is all about love, not about St. Valentine, the patron saint of beekeepers. So what is the dictionary definition of love? Have you ever looked it up? You probably haven't. So most of us think we know what love is. We know um, just instinctively, intuitively what love is. Ronnie, you know what love is, don't you? Yeah, do you love Cy? Yeah, Cy, do you love Ronnie? I know you know they're here, they are here. (laughs) All right, Isaiah, do you love your mom? Yeah, do you love your dad? Even when they punish you? Yeah, so you know what love is. But listen, this is what the dictionary says the definition of love is. A profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. That's number one. Two, a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as for a parent, child, or friend. Hmm, do you always feel that? I bet there are times when you don't feel that, right? Sexual passion or desire. A person toward whom one, uh, excuse me, a person toward whom love is felt. That is, you are my love. Oh, my love, you are my love, right? Um, We get all the way down to number nine before we get to a definition that remotely resembles what the Bible says. Number, the ninth definition in the dictionary is affectionate concern for the well-being of others, all right? So, I have a number of things that I want to say about love today, and I hope it will kind of help redirect your mind. I have a whole teaching on this. Um, I will do a series on the four loves every couple of years, and uh, I did it last year, so I didn't do it this year, but I figured Valentine's Day, you got to talk about love, right? Um, So, Lige, if you want to put our our outline up there. I didn't print any bulletins for those of you that are here today. I didn't even know if there would be anybody here today. So, uh, in fact, it was kind of looking earlier this morning like we did. We wouldn't even have music, and I was just going to have to do the videos and run around like an octopus changing things, And which is why, by the way, you didn't have video for that audio at the beginning, but it's on YouTube, so you should watch that video by Craig. It's really, really funny. Um, so, number one, these are all things that love is, but I'm going to start with things that love is not. Number one, love is not a feeling. Now, love may be accompanied by very, very powerful, even overwhelming feelings. But if all love is is a feeling, then you will find that you love and then don't love people often. You fall in and out of love. You've heard that phrase, right? Fall, I fell in love. 
right? Have you ever heard somebody say that I fell out of love? Yes. Have you ever heard people, even married people say, well, we don't love each other anymore, yes. right? You don't fall in or out of love. I'm sorry. Now, I'm coming from a biblical standpoint, right? And let's just, uh, at the outset, be very clear. In 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love. Now, that's not the same as saying love is God. We don't worship love. We worship God. And all that love is actually is found in God, but not all that God is is found in love. God is many other things other than love. But God is love, and therefore, God is the one who defines love most fundamentally, the most basic way, uh, what you can put your feet on, you could say, right? So from that perspective, then love is not a feeling, although it may be accompanied by strong feelings. And number two, sex is not love. You know, you hear people say, maybe you don't even use this phrase anymore. It seems like uh, people are just more uh, visceral and uncaring about what they say these days. But you hear people say, well, you know, uh, this married couple made love or, you know, in other situations that these people made love. You don't make love. But love made you. Amen. Yeah. God is love. God created you. God created you because he loves you. So it can be said that love made you, but you don't make love. Now, again, when I do this series on the four loves, I talk about romantic love and I talk about how intimacy is the appropriate expression of one man and one woman who had committed their lives to one another. That's the appropriate expression of affection between those people. But I've also said many times that uh, sex often ruins relationships. It often causes people to uh, come further apart, not draw further together. And we're not going to get into that. I have a couple of kids here today. I'm not going to get deeply into that. And again, I'm not talking about the four loves. I want to talk about the basic definition of love that is God is love, right? So number three, love is not self-seeking. Now, I could have said love is not selfish, and that is true too. But I think self-seeking is more accurate. It doesn't come back to itself, right? Love is always otherly. Love is always focused on the other person. Love doesn't ask, well, how am I feeling and what am I getting out of this, right? What do I want? No, love is always focused on the other person. It is not self-seeking. So, of course, it is inherently unselfish. But see, you might make choices that could benefit you that are still love, but you're not seeking fundamentally or primarily to benefit yourself. You are seeking to benefit the other person, right? Um, so love is not self-seeking. Um, number four, love is a decision, right? So if love is not a feeling, then what is it? Well, love is a decision. It's a determination that you make. And this is why Jesus had the audacity to say that we should love our enemies. That doesn't mean that someone who is an enemy of yours, maybe it's someone who's dangerous. Maybe it's somebody who has abused you, somebody that verbally or in other ways has abused you. And, you know, the scripture says that you're to love your enemy. That doesn't mean that you need to trust that person. That doesn't mean that you need to hang out with that person. That doesn't mean that you need to be friends with that person. Now, friendship love is a type of love. But we're talking about the fundamental 
love, the foundation of love. And that is a decision. I can decide to love someone else even if I don't have strong feelings for them, even if I think that they're dangerous. You say, well, okay, so love's not a feeling. Uh, it's not self-seeking. Love is a decision. What else is love? Love is also an action. So, as I said, love can be accompanied by strong feelings, but it is not essentially a feeling. It is an action. So you make a decision, you make a determination to do something for someone else, right? In this regard, we could look at compassion as a good synonym for this foundational love, right? I'm concerned about somebody else, even if I don't like them, even if I don't even really want to be around them, I'm still concerned about that other person enough to be willing to act, all right? So... I act in what way? Well, love, this is number six, love focuses on the need of another person, right? So I don't necessarily look at what the person wants. And parents, you know this, right? Um, I'm sure that uh, Boston and McKenna have all sorts of things that they want, and you don't give them everything they want, do they? Do you? All right? You know, you, I, I, I don't know everybody's kids, but I know kids that would just eat donuts and candy all day long if that's what you let them do. But is that good? No. I say, would it be good for you if you just ate candy all day long? No. But do you want candy a lot of times? Yes. Does your mom say, no, you can't have candy sometime? Yeah. Do you know that that's because she loves you? Uh, he's thinking about that one. All right. <laughs> See, the reality is a lot of times we're like this nine-year-old over here. We don't know what's best for ourselves, right? And this happens when you're wrapped up in an addiction. All you want is this addiction, right? So um, I went ahead and I got uh, this uh, subscription to a TV service because they started uh, uh, putting out first-run movies on this TV service. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want you to go out and just buy it, and I'm not advertising for a particular TV service, a streaming service, right? But they started they started running first-run movies, and if you pay for the subscription, you get the first-run movies. So there were a couple of them that came out that I wanted to watch, all right? Wonder Woman 84, which a bunch of people didn't like, but I'm sorry, I liked it. I liked, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I was glad I didn't pay $15 to see it in the theater, but I still, I liked it right? And uh, so there are these other movies that came out, but on this subscription service, they had this TV series. And I like watching TV series on subscription on streaming because you can zoom past the stuff that you don't want to watch, right? So you can edit your own stuff. So if I don't like something, if it's too violent or it's too sexually immoral or whatever it is, I can just zoom past it. If it's getting boring, I can just zoom past it. So I had forgotten that I'd watched this TV series, but there was a series that was run, I guess it was run on this particular um, service, uh, back in the kind of mid-ish 2000s. I think it might've started in about 2009. I'm just looking at their cell phones to make that determination. Have you noticed this? That you can just look at the cell phones that they're using on a particular movie or TV and you can guess when it was made. So there were no iPhones at all. They were using flip phones. So I'm guessing 2006, 7, 8, 9, somewhere around there, right? iPhone came out in 2007, but not everybody had it. It was way too expensive. You couldn't get a deal with your phone service or whatever. Um, but uh, it's, it's about cops. It's called Southland, right? 
and there's this, uh, this tough guy, veteran cop, that's training this rookie cop. And from the beginning of season one, he has a back problem. Now, have any of you ever dealt with back problems? Nicholas, I know you have. You've dealt with back, you've been pregnant, so I know you have, okay? I have. So it helped me to understand what this guy was going through. Prior to having back problems, I would have been very judgmental toward people that get hooked on like, you know, Vicodin or Oxycontin or something like that. I'd be like, you know, whatever, man, just get over it. When you have pain constantly, 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 you just want to stop the pain. The unfortunate thing about drugs, even if they're prescribed, is that they become addictive. They hook into you and you start needing them in order to be well, right? So that's exactly what happens with this cop. He's, he's obviously a good cop. Uh, you know, he's kind of a tough guy. He's got a mouth on him. But on the whole, he's a good cop. But he's got this serious back problem. And from the beginning of that, that season, he's addicted to this variety of Vicodin, Oxycontin, and so forth. And it gets really, really bad. But he doesn't want to admit that he has an addiction. Well, his partner is a trainee and they call him boot all the time, right? Because he just came out of police boot camp and he won't let his partner say anything to him because he's training him. He's supposed to be the, the officer that is in charge and he doesn't want to admit his addiction that he's got this problem. But I mean, he's going to nurses that he knows and getting them to get drugs. He's got a drug dealer. This is a cop, right? But again, at this point, uh, I'm not justifying what he's doing. I'm saying I understand. I've had chronic back pain, so I get it. Now, I had to start learning to get back into working out and doing some yoga stretches and so forth. And I finally figured out that that was better. Well, I never got into any of the uh, addictive drugs anyway. I was just taking, you know, Tylenol or uh, ibuprofen, stuff like that. But it's like after a while, this doesn't work. Well, your body gets used to it. It's called homeostasis, right? Your body adapts to whatever you take. And so you need more of it to accomplish the same feeling that you had previously. And this works with any drug. This works with alcohol. This works with marijuana. This works with prescription drugs. This works with illegal drugs. Eventually, your body simply, quote unquote, gets used to it and you need more and more. That's the thing with this cop, right? So finally, I can't remember. It might be the end of season two because the, the, uh, the one-year probation of this rookie police officer lasts all the way through season one. I think it might have been the end of season two when he's finally, the rookie cop is finally at the end of his probationary period and he just reads his boss the riot act. He said, listen, one of two things are going to happen. He said, you're going to go to rehab today, today, or I'm going to turn you in. Now that may just seem like, okay, well, he's just fed up. He's sick of it. He doesn't want to deal with this anywhere. No, he sees how much of a danger this addiction is bringing on his partner. And he sees that this can be a danger to other police officers. This can be a danger to people that are out there on the street. So that's what we don't understand is when we wrap ourselves around something like that, or it wraps itself around us, however you want to look at it, we can't see properly. That's when you need somebody who really looks out for your need, who really cares enough about you to tell you what you don't want to hear. Hey, you've got to stop this, right? So. You may have somebody like this in your life. You may be that somebody. Maybe somebody's trying to tell you this. Believe it or not, that's love. There's not a whole lot of strong, affectionate feelings around telling somebody, hey, you're messing up your life. You need to quit. Right? Um, 
We had to do this with a, with a lady that was, uh, that was out here on our front porch all the time. Uh, she, was, she would appear to be homeless, but she had a home. She just wouldn't go home. And so I was going back and forth with this lady. We wanted to help her as much as we could. Um, but she would be out here when it's cold like this. She didn't want to go home. And a lot of people in downtown Garland know this lady. And we were trying and trying and trying. We tried to call Adult Protective Services and get them to come out and evaluate her to show that she was being self-destructive and then perhaps giving uh, the rights of self-determination over to her son would be healthier for her. But nobody could ever get her to the place where she would allow them to put her in assisted living or to give her son, in this case, the right to take over control and put her where she needed to be. It finally took a situation, and I might have mentioned this before, I don't remember, but this has been about a month ago. It was a Friday night, and uh, there was another young man that was here that we were trying to help as well. And uh, this woman had shown up late in the afternoon on the square and wouldn't go home. Well, she was sitting on our bench out in front of the church, and it was getting colder and colder. I was down the street at uh, a restaurant here, local restaurant here, and I got a text from this fellow that was in our church that said, hey, should I let her in? I said, no, I've already texted this other person that's gonna come and get her. By the time I got over here, the other person that was gonna come and get her was here, but this woman was inside the church and would not leave. She was rock solid, sitting in that rocking chair, wouldn't leave. And so I just had to be very, very forthright, very straightforward, almost mean. Mac, she might have read it that way. I said, no, ma'am, you can't stay here tonight. You won't go home. Go with this lady. So she finally got up and she went out and she got in the back of the car with this lady. Long story short, I didn't call the police, but this woman had made some kind of self-destructive comments, some self-threats uh, saying, I wish I was dead, those sorts of things. So the police were called. One of the police officers knew her son. They took her into a hospital. They got her evaluated. And a neurologist this time, not just a social worker, evaluated her and said, she's got serious dementia. She's got some cognitive problems that keep her from making these wise choices. Well, we knew that, but none of us could get, to the, get anybody to the place where they could force her hand. So all we could do is sort of try to help her along throughout this time. And I just continue to pray that the Lord would get her off the square. Long story short, she's in assisted living now. And I know she doesn't want to be there. She would rather be sitting down here on the square. This is just the way this person is. She's not a terrible person. She's not a bad person, right? But there's something going wrong up here. And that's when people need to step in and make the tough love choice. That's what I'm talking about here, okay? Love is a choice. It's a decision. And it evaluates the need of a person. And it's an action. So you do something about it. You don't just feel compassion. And people are like, oh, I have such compassion. You know, I just, I just feel for that person. They're just in such a bad... But if you're not doing anything, then your compassion is useless. It's worthless, really. Okay? Um, so finally, we come down, number seven, to the definition of love that I have been propagating for many, many years. I didn't come up with this. Um, it is actually a definition that I got from C.S. Lewis and his book, uh, the Four Loves, he comes uh, forth with this definition. And uh, I adapted the Four Loves. And as I said previously, normally this time of year, I'm teaching through that. For, usually I conclude that, that four to six week 
six-week teaching right around um, Valentine's Day. But this is the definition uh, for love, and it's right up here. Love is your decision to act in the best interest of another person. It's your determination to act in the best interest of another person. Listen, this works no matter what the level of attachment, desire, affection, adoration. It works with everybody. It works with your enemy. It works with your friend. It works with your family member. Do you see how this works? Love is a determination, a decision to act in the best interest of the other person. So that's going to keep you in your marriage when things get rough because emotions change. Hey, our bodies change. There was a great skit. I really wanted to do it. And this COVID and cold just keeps interfering with things we want to do. But uh, it's we might do it at another time because it's not just exclusively for Valentine's Day. But the skit is a an older man who's been married for years, who's standing in like, kind of like you, Cy, an older guy, you know, older guy, kind of just a real old guy. <laughs> who's been married for years and he's standing in line at a flower shop. He's going to buy his wife some flowers and he starts talking and he's talking to a younger guy that's behind him. You know, uh, I was going to have Felix play this role because he'd be the younger guy that would be like, what? What? I don't know. You know, the whole time. And uh, he keeps saying that he's fallen in love with a different woman. And it's just like, wow, this is supposed to be, you know, I think it's for Valentine's Day, so, but he's fallen in love with this different woman. He talks about the woman he fell in love with and what she looked like when they fell in love. And then he talks about this different woman. Long story short, you come to the end of the skit and you find out that the different woman is still his wife. But you change over time. See, that's the beauty of God's plan, right? You grow old together. Your bodies change. Your desires change. To some degree, your interests change, but you've made a commitment to that person to live with them, to love them in sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, right? Till death do us part. That's the commitment that you make to that person. And so you do everything you can and you pray they do everything they can to maintain that commitment. But you see, the old way of looking at marriage is based on this kind of love. You're acting in the best interest of that person, right? So, uh, so far, the only scripture that I've quoted is that very short First uh, John chapter 4, I think verse 8, God is love. But here's a couple of more verses for you. Jesus is the model of love. And you know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, right? For God so loved, loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. He gave. And then I like this, and this comes from 1 John. It's in the same passage um, that uh, 1 John 4, 8, God is love is in. And this is love. And this is love. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but what? It's the second part. But that he loved us and sent his only son as the propitiation for our sins. You say the pro what? Right? That means the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus stood in our place. Jesus died on the cross for us. That is the perfect example of love. So Jesus is the model of love. He's the example of love. And well, what does that mean? That means that love is unconditional. 
It's not based on whether you're good or you're bad. It's not based on where you live. It's not based on where you grew up. It's not based on your religious background, right? There are people that believe that God really only loves certain people. He only, Jesus didn't die for everybody. He just died for the elect, right? No, Jesus died for everybody because God's love is unconditional. And that means love is unconditional and it is universal. That means it's for everybody. Whatever your background, whatever your history, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your, whatever label you plant on yourself, God loves you. It's unconditional, it's universal, and then Jesus died on the cross. It's sacrificial. Now, I want you to evaluate your love. You don't have to say it out loud. You can if you're at home and you're sitting next to someone and you want to say it to them. When you say, I love you, who do you say that most often to? Your spouse, your kids, your significant other, um, a friend? Does that roll off your tongue easily or is it hard to say? I've been around people that can't say that at all. I've been around people that it rolls off their tongue so easily that I wonder whether they actually mean it, right? But when you say, I love you, do you mean this love? This love that is sacrificial. And above all, I posted this scripture this morning um, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. We have the, the Jewish statement of faith, essentially. It's called the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And Jesus said that's the greatest commandment, to love God with all you are. Now, are you ready for this? I want you to evaluate your love for God in that way. Do you love God sacrificially? Are you willing to give anything for the Lord? You know what Jesus said he wanted? He didn't say he wanted us to sing songs to him. He didn't say that he wanted us to uh, speak words of love to him. He said, if you love me, finish the sentence. Do what I say. If you love me, obey my commandments, obey my teaching. Hey, parents, is that something you could say to your kid? Of course it is. Now, do you say that because you want them just to do what you say? Or do you say that because you realize that if they love you and do what you say, it's actually best for them? Isn't that true? You love mommy? Do what she says. You love daddy? Do what he says because he's looking out for your best interest. He wants the best for you. He wants to help you. So don't just say, I love you, mommy. I love you, daddy. If mommy says, take out the trash, you just take out the trash. Mommy says, don't do this or do do that. Then you do what she says. And those of us that say we love Jesus, prove it. Love is an action. Do something about it. That's how we're supposed to live our lives.